It's game week. Do you, are you ready for football, Keegan? I am ready for football. God, this is going to be weird. I know. What's making this weird right now is you and I are sitting not across from each other like we usually are when we are recording inside OU with Keegan Renault and Brady Trantham. We are sitting side by side, very close, very, very close. We're not socially distancing right now. No, we are not. Yeah. No. You're, you're breathing on me. Your spit particles are going to be all over my keyboard, all over my knee. It's going to be very dangerous, but I'm excited for tonight. Are you? No. No? <laughs> I think we've got a couple more hurdles before we really get to Saturday. Uh, yeah, we've got Monday. we got which three rounds of tests this week. Three rounds of tests, yes. Well, um, before we get into all that, this is just going to be our little intro before the intro song because like we teased on the previous episode last week uh we will have a special guest on today and you will be able to tell by the title of this episode the former co-host of this show uh mr john hoover who is now with sports illustrated sisooners.com uh, has his own podcast now with parker thune is it parker thune I, th- I believe it's Thune. Or is it not Tune? No. Okay. It's with the H. And I, and, I, and I ask with all due respect because I don't want to mispronounce someone's last name because as somebody named Brady Tranton, I'm sure this happened to you, Keegan Renault, but ha- I don't like when people mispronounce my name. Have I told you the story of me at Carnegie High School? What, ha- what happened? Playing football. So I enter the game late in the game. It was my junior year whenever they still had me doing like scout team quarterback stuff because they needed practice bodies. Yeah. Out of class class A graduate my graduating class was a whopping thirty four. We uh I get put in the game to play quarterback and it's Kegan Reno. Oh no. Reno. Reno, not Reno, Reno. So everybody called me Reno for the rest <laughs> of my high school uh high school sports uh, it, that's much better like so my my dad is named brad my mom is named brandy this was just a complete coincidence my name's brady and i don't know how many times i've been called brandy in, in fact today i actually ordered uh to go from bj's <laughs> from bj's and you know i typed in my name brady trantham and I got up to the parking lot, and then the waitress who brought out my food was like, order for Brandy, and I'm just like, yes. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just used to it at this point. So Parker Thune, we're just going to uh, hopefully assume that that's how we pronounce your last name. But they do a great job. I actually uh, watched their last podcast on, I, yeah, I, I watched it on YouTube a few days ago. Just to get back into the the Hoove mind. It's been a while since I talked to old John, but uh, I'm excited to have him back on Inside OU. Uh, This podcast would not be where it is without uh, his contributions and his help. Um, John is, he's, uh, he is, when you think of Big J, like that's what you actually think of is Mr. John Hoover. So we're excited. Uh, Keegan and I are going to get him on Zoom at some point in the near in the near future in the next few minutes and then we'll talk about yeah this game week and you said three tests a lot of hurdles a lot more news can come out but you know what over the weekend I watched college football and I, I was thoroughly entertained by that SMU Texas State game <laughs> that that was that's like the game that you know that you're so desperate for football that you're into it like I was into that game it was like yeah. Texas State come on come on got to get it 
It was surprised at how bad SMU looked. Well, I mean, first of all, SMU's Dallas jerseys were awesome. Like the the D on their helmet, that '80s retro looking D on their helmet was like just so fresh. Um, so they had that going for them. And I'm not kidding. Like I tweeted it out. Shane Bouchelle is still playing. Like I, that wasn't for fun. Like for retweets, I was like, this dude is still playing football. He's gonna be an NFL guy. Really? Yeah. Are you, are you, uh, you the guy and, from Mem- you, the guy you, from Memphis? You and Dylan Buckingham, I swear. I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying he's going to be like a. I don't know if he's going to go like top five rounds. He may go six, no, seventh, he, and then get a cup of coffee he, in the NFL. He'll and test be a backup quarterback. Yeah, he'll test well. He's got everything that you kind of look for when you're look thinking of a prototypical drop back passer. One, he's got some athleticism to him. If there was one takeaway from the weekend, old Brady White from Memphis. I don't know if you caught any of that game. He looked. I mean, I know Arkansas State's defense is equivalent of what you see in the Big 12 yeah. at the lower tier of the Big 12, but I was impressed with him. I knew he was good a year ago, but I obviously didn't watch a ton of Memphis games. So it was good, though. It was a good escape, uh, get a little bit, little bit of everything in. Got baseball, college football, NBA on in the same day, hockey if you're into that, golf if you're into that. It, it was a uh, it was a nice, nice, we're gonna, nice we're, Saturday. We're going to have sports overload in, a, in about a month and a half. You do realize that, right? In like a month and a half. now, God willing, that we're able to get. Uh, you mean this week, right? NFL well, starts Thursday. Well, I'm talking about in terms of like the NBA is now going through their second round. They're about to get into their conference finals, and then the finals will start in roughly about a month, if these series kind of take as long as we think that they'll take. Um, so you'll have that in about a month. You'll have about the thick of college football when everybody, you know, God willing, if we're still able to have the sport. Um, people are starting to teams are starting to position for uh, conference seeding or conference t- championships, uh, college football playoff committee BS. All that's going to be going on. Baseball is going to be into their postseason, right? Should be. They got the rest of this month, twenty games left, twenty twenty two games left of their regular season. So yeah, we'll be right in the thick of it. And then of course the NFL. So you you know like even just think about a three hour show on the franchise when all that's going on. You may be able to touch upon like something that the Dallas Cowboys did for a three hour show because you know, you're gonna have to cover OU football. Oh yeah. And there's also probably going to be some free agency rumors and draft positioning rumors with the Oklahoma city thunder. So there's that. So there's so much, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle it, but good thing that this is just an OU football podcast. So, um, uh, Keegan, one of the things that we're going to ask John, we're not going to be that much longer. I promise everybody we're just doing this for fun to kill some time. But, uh, one of the things to look forward to with John is, um, three things that we can actually learn from playing Missouri state because everybody knows, OU is going to win by 45, 50 points. The biggest thing with these games, Keegan is just always get out with no injuries. Mm-hmm. If you get out with no injuries, you win by 40. It's like, okay, it's, that's cool. Um, but because there are so many question marks uh, on both sides of the football, inexperience all over the place, new quarterback in Spencer Rattler, there, there are some things that even against Missouri State, you can go into thinking, I, I need to see these things so I can just feel a little bit better going forward as the season goes along. I said this on Friday with, with Sam and Chisholm. It's, it's more of the things that I'm going to learn or the things that how Lincoln – is approaching this offense in 2020. How Alex Grinch is approaching this defense in 2020. It's going to be very vanilla. It's going to be basic stuff. But how Oklahoma attacked 
the, against Houston last year was a lot different than what he did against Florida Atlantic in 2018. And I'm talking about Lincoln Riley here. So I think we're going to get a pretty good idea of what the direction of the offense is heading. Now, granted, probably not going to see a complete 180 halfway through the season offensively like we did a year ago. Yeah. But just overall, I think we're going to we're going to see a lot in that in that aspect of it. And then, you know, kind of the third thing for me is what is this rotation at wide receiver going to look like? What is this rotation at left tackle? Who's going to I think that's probably of all the things we will learn is that where are they really at at the tackle positions? Because we've heard a lot about Adrian Ely moving over to left tackle. We've heard a lot about Stacey Wilkins moving. And then the rampant rumors of Anton Harrison, the true freshman, yeah, uh, at tackle, I think. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some things that take away. But ultimately, just in terms of you know creating a list and having Oklahoma needing to check some boxes, I don't think that I'm going to be that way come Saturday. It's going to be more of a, okay, this is, you know, these are plays that they ran in 2017 and 2018. Alex Grinch is, you know, running more of a four-man front, running more of a, you know, maybe even a 3-3-5. Who knows what it's going to look like. Um, So I I think that that, for me, that's personally what I'm going to be looking for on Saturday. But I I know there's going to be people that are going to be taking some things away, which is fine, but I'm just, it's, it's going to be so – Missouri State's not a good – they're not even a good FCS team. No. They're awful. No. It, again, like, I'm looking forward to football on Saturday, just like everybody else out there, but it never fails with these games. I look forward to the game, and then we get there, and it's just five minutes into it. It's like, okay, I've seen all that I need to see, and oh, well. I mean, at least there will be other things on that day. Other teams will be playing, and it's going to feel a little bit more like college football, but I got to admit, like, this past weekend was just – Fun and weird. It, it, like like you said, basketball was on during, like, with the sun up, and basketball is on regardless, and now the Rockets are furiously coming back. Oh, wow. They they got it down to, I think, 14 or 11 at the end of the second half, or at the end of the first half, so maybe a little bit of a run. And the Rockets are very good in the third quarter. They and they, they can catch I think up they're quick. The best, I think they're the best third quarter team in the, uh, in the NBA, if I'm not wrong. But I, I do want to get back. To, to back to football, shout out to a uh, m- member of the media for that quote there. But, um, no, I mean, I it, it was relaxing. Like, even Army, like, Middle Tennessee State was awful. But even just watching that triple option to run to success, even in game one, was just, oh. it was beautiful. It was awesome. We're going to get to see more of it tomorrow night with Navy and BYU. That will be kind of a fun game. Yeah, and then. Watch a bunch of 30-year-olds try to tackle a bunch of uh, semen. And then yeah next week i mean you got some good football games you got kentucky and florida play next week you got the greatest rivalry in sports this next week in tulsa and oklahoma state oh almost upset last year you've got duke and notre dames next week uh louisiana lafayette iowa state we're gonna learn a lot about iowa state week one uh louisiana i'm sorry is good so um yeah, I mean, there there are games next week that are intriguing, uh, especially whenever you're talking about uh, just the aspect of having college football back, having quality college football back. It's kind of starting to head in that direction. Then we'll get a week off on the 19th, and then, you know, on on the 26th, and there could be some more games. I was just looking at games with lines um, that are already out already. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a uh, – 
should be a should be a good weekend. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be nice to kind of just sit back on a Saturday. No, I don't know if I'm going to be in the press box yet. I don't know if any pe- people in the media know if they're 100 percent going to be in the press box. Hell, yet. just get a ticket, go to the stands, and then bring a computer. <laughs> no. Um, one more programming note before we get to John uh, Keegan. Go ahead and let everybody know about the schedule for the podcast moving forward. Because <laughs> I mean, we we did it we did it last year, and it makes makes a lot of sense to not do these episodes on Sunday, but to wait until after Lincoln Rally speaks to the media following OU's last name. So just go ahead the schedule that you uh, threw out to me earlier today. Yeah. So this week is obviously going to be different with Labor Day. Uh, so we get Lincoln on a Tuesday. But, you know, going forward, Lincoln will probably, I think, speak on Mondays. And I believe y'all did that last year where you did a Monday a Monday, evening, Monday, tu- Monday evening. Yeah. And then, just um, Tuesday, we get defense, you know, Tuesday defense, Wednesday, Lincoln again. Um, so, you know, Monday, I, Monday, Wednesday night, Thursday, depending on if guests or not. You yeah. know, I'm sure we can be flexible, but for sure twice a week. And, and then, you know, maybe a quick post game as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. At the very least, we'll do post game shows because I feel like those are those will be easy to put out there pregame if we're just absolutely bored and it's not an 11 a.m. kickoff. Because, like, trust me, we don't you don't want to hear Keegan and I get up at six in the morning and put out a podcast that's only applicable for about two hours. So um, we'll, we'll, of course, preview whatever whatever team OU's playing throughout the week on the uh, Monday or Wednesday slash Thursday pod. But look forward to that. Post-game pods as well. And then, of course, the next part of this episode, Mr. John Hoover. So let's play the intro. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this, are you compliance? I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. And everybody, welcome to the Inside OU podcast. After the intro Keegan and I did, and after the intro song. So yes, Brady Trantham here with Keegan Renault. And our old, old friend, Mr. John Hoover from SI Sooners. Why well, I got to be old, old friend? Well, I mean, it's just, it's been a minute. For, first of all, the, there's a virus going around, John. I don't know if you've yeah. known about that with all the stuff you've been writing, but uh, there's something going around that keeps us from all seeing each other and having fun and podcasting with each other. But um, I was just telling Keegan, I was just telling Keegan on the intro inside OU podcast going well, of course, Uh, we're excited for another season, season number two with this podcast, but it would not be where it is right now without you, because if it was just a podcast with me screaming about Bob Stoops, you'd get like five fans, five listeners, and that'd be it. There's more of you out there than there, you <laughs> We are many. No. Yeah. No, no. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're too kind. You've done a good job keeping, putting this thing together and keeping it going, uh, regardless of who your co-host is. So uh, Keegan's done a great job of, of sitting next to you, sitting not socially distanced from you at, this, at the current yeah. moment. Yeah, we already set that up in the intro before you uh, Don't came tell on. Telling us who we're also <laughs> we're also sharing a, uh, a earpiece because I forgot when you're recording this via Zoom with a little sound mixer, um, the sound is going through the mixer, and so we couldn't just do this with the computer audio. So now Keegan and I have to sit even closer to one one another, sharing the earpiece. So it's not sanitized, by the way. Does COVID pass through an earpiece? 
I'm a clean person. Okay. I can assure you I bathe three or four times a day, six days a week. Anyway, so Mr. Hoover of the SI Sooners podcast now with Parker Thune, and it's Parker Thune, correct? Because Keegan and I were just like, it's Thune, right? But we don't want to mispronounce someone's last name uh, because we have two last names that are always mispronounced, but that's neither here nor yeah. there. No, that is, that is correct. Parker Thune. But real quick, plug everybody, um, plug uh, the YouTube channel because um, I actually, every time I, I watch YouTube more than the, the normal person, I just watch it on my TV and your face is always on it. Your face is always on my YouTube algorithm. So I, I kind of find myself watching and listening to your podcast and stealing all your info and pawning it off as my own. So what do you know? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. And, uh, imitations of sincerest form flattery. So. Keegan knows how this works. Keegan knows if somebody picks up your work and, and runs with it, that means they, they did a good job with it. <laughs> uh, OUB inside we're jokes. We're always doing it to him. No, that's true. We're always doing it to him, and he's always doing it to us, and we're always doing it back and forth to each other because that's what, you know, we all have our small audiences. So, no, man, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's weird that my face pops up on your TV, though. That's kind of creepy. He's a millennial. It pops he's up on a, my TV. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, that's the way of the world now. No, next time, next time I'm watching it, I'll take a selfie of me watching it with you on my TV in the background <laughs> and send it to you. Just like, oh my gosh, so much, so much John Hoover coming at you on the TV waves. But uh, uh, SI Sooners podcast. Yes. If you want to listen to that, you can find it on our website. Uh, we just finished recording. When I got your text, we had just pushed stop on the camera, which is going on YouTube. Uh, so it's on our website, uh, sisooners.com, allsooners.com. It's the same, it takes you to the same spot. We put a lot of stuff, Keegan knows, we put a lot of stuff up there every day. If there's a little bit happening, we put a lot of stuff up there every day. If there's a lot happening, we put a lot of stuff up there every day because Keegan, that's the way we do things now, isn't it? It's the way of the world. It's how the bills are paid. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute since I've written something about the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> there are reasons for that, of course, but we don't need to get into that. But yes, everybody, you already know. Go check out uh, John Hoover and Parker Thune's stuff. Like they, like he said, he puts they put out so much work, so much content for you guys to enjoy. And especially in this time where we know we're going to have the Missouri State game this Saturday, guys. Um, we'll oh, you have we know. Well, I mean, they'll at least they need to have at least fifty three people. We've got some hurdles to climb. We've got some yes. testing to get through this week. Uh-oh. Well, uh, okay. Well, let's just get right into it, guys. Um, and I, John, since you're our guest, I'll uh, go ahead and ask you first. Uh, three tests leading up to the Saturday game. And then, of course, last week, the Big 12 releases their, uh, their guidelines for, or their grounds for cancellation in the event mm -hmm. that a uh, game needs to be canceled or postponed, giving us all a bunch of clarity, which I... You know, I mean, I asked for that, what, two months ago, but okay, it's the Big 12. But, um, I mean, is there – I mean, what's your level of concern? I mean, just straight up, what's your level of concern that we're going to have well, a game this Saturday? OU's doing the testing for both OU and Missouri State. Pretty confident that their tests are going to be accurate. Um, but, but I, I mean, they'll play. I have no doubt they'll play. I have zero doubts right now that they're, that they're going to actually play the game. They're going to be able to field 53 – total offensive line, uh, 53 total players, seven total offensive linemen, four interior defensive linemen, and one quarterback. Somebody at some point is going to play quarterback. It'll probably be Spencer Rattler. <laughs> if it's not, if he's got the COVID, if he's got the Rona, it'll be somebody else, and we'll think, play the game. I think we're past that, Hoove. I, th I think he's already got it. 
he's going to get – he's already got the COVID? I think, yeah. I, th- I, think, he's, I think he's in the clear. I, I, I've, I've heard. He's probably going to get it again. <laughs> 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 you broke, well, broken, he's, breaking news. You heard it here first. Uh-oh. It, it's, a cult, it's a coronavirus. Who would have known? You, you can get it twice. Um, no, I, I'm confident – I mean, I'm confident that the testing will be accurate, but like, I don't know if you guys just saw this because I, I literally saw this about an hour before we started recording, but I think it was Arizona's soccer program. They were going to cancel a game because they had 11 or, thir- 11 or 13, 13 um, positive cases. And then a few hours later, they are like, oh no, never mind. Those are all false negative. Those are like false negatives. Oh. And it's just like, hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I, OU has been forthcoming with their uh, with their work. They've been transparent. Um, they seem to have this. They seem to have a grasp of how to conduct themselves during a pandemic in in a time where obviously this is all unprecedented. There's not a blueprint to how to do this, but somehow Oklahoma is doing it fairly well thus far. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you, John. I'm I'm confident that we're going to have a game, but Keegan. Um, you seem to think Spencer Rattler will be will at least be able to trot out there to play quarterback. The, the question would just be, um, it is Missouri State, so we can't learn that much, even though I'm about to ask you guys three things that we're going to learn about it. But it would just be obviously a shame to not see some uh, key players out there because they're sick. I mean, it's more than more than just annoying for us. I mean, it's a health thing, but man, like, the whole week leading up to a game for a fan, from a fan's perspective, it takes a while sometimes, but this is just going to add another level of like, oh my God, get through Monday, get through Tuesday, get through Wednesday. Thank God we're almost there. It will be. And it's going to be continue to be mountains that these schools and these programs are having to climb. And you really think about the way Oklahoma kind of has, I, I don't know, they, they went, what, three, four weeks straight hoof of releasing data weekly in the last two weeks it's just been straight from Lincoln so who knows what's going on it I can tell you that and we talked about this on our on the podcast last week it that there was probably a sure thing that there were some guys that tested positive this week because they some had a, a good time out in Norman yeah uh, last weekend but it's uh you know it's going to continue to be hurdles at Oklahoma and every school is going to have to climb and like who said that you know you've got Oklahoma's going to be able to field a team. I'm not necessarily concerned about Oklahoma fielding a team, but Missouri State, if they do have, you know, guys, you know, 20-plus 20, 20 guys, I mean, that's going to be more than, you know, close to that 53-man limit, I'm sure, because um, FCS scholarships aren't as much. They probably don't carry as much of a roster load. So, no, I, I think we're going to play Saturday. There's 650,000 reason, dollars reasons why that they are going to play the game on Saturday. But, uh, no, it's going to be some hurdles that we're going to have to climb this week. I, I, I think that we will get there, but it's definitely going to be a – game weeks are going to be a lot longer now in 2020 um, than they were in 2019. Yeah. yeah, much more stressful for sure. Um, I will say this. We were at that spring press, spring practice press conference March 8th, I think. And then we had Pro Day March 9th. The last one you guys then, went to in person? Yeah. And then March 10th was, uh, was the uh, first day of practice, I think. And, and uh, Alex Grinch talked. Doesn't that seem literally in this business where we're where we're constantly covering something, constantly going on to the next thing? Doesn't this seem like it was about four years ago now? 
like we're remembering it like some Jason White bowl game or something. It's like, God, that was forever ago. It might, it might as well just be Vietnam to us right now. It's like it's so far in the distant past, it just doesn't apply to us anymore. Like, oh, yeah, you remember when you could look eye to eye to the person you're talking, you're asking a question to? Those were, those days were so quaint. It's yeah. going to feel weird. I mean, these Zoom this week, like with press conferences and stuff, you know, one of the big, biggest parts of, for me at least, the last two years, like you get a really good sense of body language, of tone, and, and seeing these guys in person and talking and leading up to a game. And I think that whole aspect of it is going to be thrown out the window. The only thing is, is <laughs> the only thing is the last two weeks, Lincoln's looked really stressed, depressed, tired. It's that vaunted Missouri State defense, man, keeping him up at night. And so it's going to be interesting to see kind of where his tone and his attitude's at this week um, in comparison to what it's been the last two. But, yeah, it's this whole aspect of media and the press conferences. And, you know, I will say it did there was some normalcy this week. And I know, Hoove, obviously you've been in this for a long, long time, than, longer time than I have. But, I'm an old, old friend, remember? Yes. <laughs> Getting that media schedule tonight for the week was like, okay, we're, we've, yeah. we've, we've, we have hit game week. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. Absolutely. Um, the, and the, I, I, this, what I was going to say was I really can't wait for Spencer Rattler to say on the Zoom calls, we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Oh, oh, no. Well, here's the main thing. Outside of the bowl game last year, John, where you talked to Spencer Rattler for the first time, ha have you all had a chance to talk to him yet? No, <laughs> what are the what Hey, what are the chances Spencer we get him this week, Hoof? What are the chances we get him this week? Um, small, 20% chance. Why? Why? I He's don't know. So, there's a lot of pressure on a guy first start. Get him out there his first game, bring him back after before he's, the second game and let him go. John, he's going to be playing in front of 20 – he's going to be playing in front of 20 people that are rooting for him on Saturday. There's no pressure. Just go out there and play football. Like That's an interesting take. I mean, pressure on the next, on well, the next look, guy behind Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. And well, look, here, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you were the guy on this stat last year when we were talking about on the podcast leading into the uh, OU Texas game, how the – First year starter in that game is like two and four hundred, you know, in the last what, how x amount of years. A lot of that, you know, goes into the game, the athletes on the other side, and then of course just the atmosphere because of the fifty fifty split. Spencer Rattler is not going to be able to experience that this year. So for a first year starter, it's kind of like, kind of a little bit of a blessing in disguise, I guess, that it's not going to be a full on rowdy ninety thousand uh, seat stadium. But again, yeah, I don't I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but. The only thing that's going to really make it seem super normal to me, guys, and I, I, I guess I can't say this gentleman's uh, refer to him by his name because he works for a competitor of ours, but uh, he wears a hat. And he goes to press conferences and he always asks the first question, is, is this person on Zoom calls? Because I, I'm, I'm going to need to know what the injury situation is, no. Lincoln Riley. No. Then um, this is not a football season I recognize. We've been doing Zoom calls for two months, and I have not seen said person. <laughs> you think he knows how Zoom works? No. No? Yeah. No. Ryan, Ryan Aber, good, good, good Aber. He's been the uh, headliner each week so far. So we'll see, that? That can, yeah. we'll see if that can continue. <laughs> I'm just glad to be in the batting order somewhere. 
Yeah, I don't know whenever I show up. It, whenever I show up, it's just whenever I show up. Sometimes it's fifth. Sometimes it's eleventh. It's all right. Hey, if, if Spencer Rattler starts in on the main thing, I might just uh, like go shut my Wi-Fi off because <laughs> I can't come at him, you know, like right over the over the podium at him because that's what I wanted to do to Jalen last year. They, I would have got my butt kicked, of course, but we'll just stick really Eddie on him. After a while. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, we're not gonna have we we possibly might not have any cool Eddie Rodosovich just off the cuff. Someone's walking away questions. What he, a, uh, what a he, shame. He posed in the chat during one of the Zoom calls, maybe the two two or three beforehand, and he was like, Mike, I have a question. And the question never got to Eddie. So it's uh, that made the Eddie question of the week maybe off the books this year. But Well, that's – I mean, thank God. That's why I have you two here um, because, obviously, I'm just a little fanboy. Eddie Rudosevich is awesome. Um, shame on Mike Houck for not – for just silencing Eddie Rodosvich, but he's not going to silence John Hoover. He's not going to silence Keegan Renault, uh hey, as far Mike, as I know. Mike wields the power, man, not me. Mike wields the power. Mike calls on you, and you, you ask your question. That's, that's, how, that's the pecking order in life right now, and we'll take it. Amen. Well, let, let's get into the meat of this podcast, shall we? So, obviously, everybody is expecting a 45, 50-point win against a very, very bad FCS team in Missouri State. Uh, yes, there are a lot of question marks with OU on both sides of the ball. There's inexperience all over the place, John, Keegan. Um, at the same time, because of this whole situation being so unique and so different, um, I think this is probably the time where you're, if you're an OU fan like me, you're probably thankful that you get a Missouri State to start off the season because of all the things that I just mentioned. And then because uh, of the unique situation we all unfortunately find ourselves in with COVID-19. But um, I asked you guys a few hours ago to just prep for uh, three things that you could learn from this game if if they of course happen or even if they don't happen we can always learn things that way so uh john you're our guest so i'll let you go ahead first uh go ahead and explain away three thing or one of the three things that we can learn from an ou game against missouri state okay one of the three things um i had a list here oh uh the offensive line there's a lot of questions on the offensive line um We'll get to more of them later in the show, I'm sure. But one of them is uh, the, the two – they basically – they might be one of, I don't know, four or five teams in the country that brings back everybody on their offensive line, all five starters, RJ Proctor notwithstanding. All five starters are back for Oklahoma. And Lincoln Riley told us in the spring, and we've heard from Bill Biedenboe, yeah, there's movement up front. Yeah, guys are switching positions. The guys who were playing – at places where you saw them playing last year, they're probably not going to be playing at those positions this year. And the guys who were starting last year might very well not be starting this year. You have the luxury of five returning starters coming back on your offensive line, and you either are so displeased with how that team performed last year that everybody's job except Creed Humphrey is up for debate, or you're so amazed and blown away by the incredible depth that you've developed that there's going to be changes across the offensive line. I find that fascinating to watch. And especially, we know Creed's going to be the guard, uh, the center, and he's going to be the returning starter, and he's going to be the All-American. But those two guards, uh, Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson, 
those guys looked like they were really getting better last year. They were dominating people. They had kind of a savage kind of finish to a lot of their blocks, and they were kicking people's teeth in at the end of the season down the stretch. Not the LSU game. Yeah. Uh, but – yeah, as the uh, as as the new season comes along, you you know you hear names like Bray Walker. Bray Walker's coming along amazingly. Uh, Andrew Rame is a, is a true freshman. He's going to be that. I'm like, what? Those, those guys' jobs are at stake, and and that that's amazing to me. And I guess Biedenbo likes his depth so much that that's one of the things that he's really going to. And and that's the thing with this particular game. It's going to be sixty three to six. Okay, maybe six. I don't know. If, Missouri State can score six. It might happen on an accident. Um, but it's it's not like there's going to be a lot of drama in this game. But that's one of the one of the few things to me that's like, okay, I want to see the starting five, and then I want to see who the next five are, and then, for that matter, this game, the five after that. I'm with you there. I, I think that especially the tackles. Like, you heard Bill Beatonbill talk about Stacey Wilkins – kicking over to right tackle for a little bit, but now he's back over to left tackle. And then you have Adrian Ely, who obviously was battling injury from, you know, all the reports of this offseason last year. Sounds like he's healthy. And if he's a guy that's healthy and he takes a step forward, you know, he's probably a guy that's going to be drafted, you know, high in, in the upcoming draft. Um, you know, so he's back. But just where the tackles are aligned at, Hoove, it's, it's, I think it's fascinating to me just because you hear Anton Harrison's name come up in the last couple weeks. Um, the true freshman, one of the top offensive tackles in the country last year. But, yeah, just for me, I, I think just the overall direction of this offense, and I know I said it before Hoove came on, but they, they ran it. They had a ton of H-backs on the field last year. I think we're going to learn really quickly um, with only one game to really get ready for Big 12 play. I think we're going to learn a lot about the direction of this offense. Is it going to look more similar to what it did in 2017 and 18? Or is it going to be a lot like what we saw early in 2019 whenever they had a ton of H-backs on the field, but they still attacked vertically? They, they still um, tried to at least get Jalen in the rhythm of being able to find a Charleston Rambo downfield on a double move, trying to find one-on-one matchups with CeeDee Lamb. I, I think that we're going to see that on, on Saturday. And for just the overall confidence of Spencer Rattler, and I know I've said it with you, Brady, like this is a – he's going to play more snaps than any starter in a game like this ever will. And maybe ever will again, but just he's got to get broken in. He's a guy that obviously got thrown into a game where maybe a meaningful snap for, for one drive. He, he got one meaningful drive in against LSU, but overall he's got to get broken in. And so I, I think we're going to learn a lot about the direction of this offense. If it's going to be similar more to what we saw early in 2019, which is where my head's at heading into this year. Uh, and then just the, like you said, the tackles, I, I think on offense for me, that those are the two things that I, I think we will learn at least a little bit about um, after this Missouri state game. Yeah, and we'll get into this a little bit later so we can get through um, get through John's other two questions. But, like, the biggest thing for me is, like, it seems like this always happens when you've got returning starters coming into the first game of the year, and then all off-season long you hear the assistant coaches praise the young up-and-comers, and then the, game st- the first game starts, and then Eric Swenson's going to try out there at left tackle. And... I mean, I complained, like John, you remember, I complained about Swenson all last season, and I understand that he was probably hurt a good portion of that season, but there's still not that much 
Uh, I mean, like Keegan said, Adrian Ely was hurt uh, for a good portion of his offseason last year. But those guys had so, so the, the, the floors of those two players are so different that I get optimistic when I think of Ely's development. Whereas with Swenson, I'm just like, I'm not, when I see him walk out there for the first series, I'm just going to be like, oh, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, like who said, you're, they're returning all five guys, right? Yeah. We haven't heard Eric Swenson's name yet from Bill Beanbow or Lincoln Riley. I don't know how to feel about yeah. that. Incredible. <sighs> oh, well. You know, maybe, maybe uh, I, need, I need to stop being so mean. Maybe he, if he does play, if he does start, maybe he'll make, it, make a leap and I can eat some more crow because uh, the fan, the listeners, John, uh, are letting me have it about my Trey Brown opinions, but we don't need to get into that. So I'll let you go into number two of the things we can learn from OU Missouri yeah, I mean, State. Well, we know nothing happens on offense without the offensive line. Um, nothing happens on defense without the defensive line. Trey Brown's going to have a good season because not because he's this outstanding corner cornerback, which I think he's pretty good. And I think he's always been pretty good. He's just got to grow a little bit. If he's going to have an outstanding season, it's going to be because OU's getting after the quarterback. And that starts with the defensive line. Boy, big news on Jalen Redmond this week, opting out. Um, as of Sunday, I think Kerry Murdoch from Sooner Scoop reported that uh, Sunday today is the uh, deadline for guys to decide. And so we don't know what the decision has been. Maybe we'll find out some clarity tomorrow on the Big 12 conference call. Maybe not. Probably not. Probably not. But, <laughs> Probably not. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Redman, if he opts out. Um, and I saw something today on, on a Facebook reply to a post that I oh, you know, no. we posted our story. Well, you got to do this in our business. You, you post your story and then you send it out to Facebook and say, here you go. It's like chum in the water. <laughs> and uh, somebody replied, he's a bum. We don't need him. And I'm like, he's a bum. He's a five-star kid, a potential first-round pick, and he's had blood clots. And he's deciding that he might not be in his best interest to play college football this year. Didn't he lead the Sooners in sacks last year? Yeah, six and a half sacks. Um, So, listen, Ronnie Perkins is probably, again, no clarity, but probably going to be suspended for what we're assuming is going to be five games. Um, Mm -hmm. Might be four, might be four games, because there's only a a ten-game season. So need to prorate that. I know. They didn't figure that out. (laughs) Um, but but if you talk to and we did, you, you know, Laurent Stokes going into his senior year is going to going to have a potentially big year. I really think he's he's got a lot up his up his sleeve this year. But last week we talked to uh, Calvin Thibodeau, the defensive line coach, and he was asked specifically about Jalen Redmond, Laurent Stokes, and those guys. Okay, how they're doing, what the pecking order is, that kind of thing. And his response was, well, everybody's doing good. And he proceeded to name six guys who were not Jalen Redmond. And he went out and he was like, oh, who else can I, can I name real quick? Uh, you know, he was like searching for, I, I got to have, I can't talk about Redmond. And then he started talking about um, this team's going to be celebrated in ways that are not usually, we cultivate championships here and we celebrate champions. It's like, when did the defensive line coach at the University of Oklahoma start talking like this? When his star player opted out is when. So um, they, they got to figure some things out. And, and he did. He named six guys, and all six of those guys are probably going to play. One of them will not be Marcus Hicks. We know that. 
One of them will probably not be Ronnie Perkins. We know that. So, I don't know, man. Um, should be interesting to see how that defensive line does. I'm a little more optimistic. I, I think you look at what Leron Stokes and then you add a guy like Corey Roberson behind him who flashed at, at times last year in the minimum snaps that he, that he had. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the defense just – what is it going to look like? Because you don't have a Ronnie Perkins. And what we saw in the Peach Bowl with Neville Gallimore basically getting double and triple team for an entire game because they didn't have another guy along that defensive line that could get any pressure, I, I think that there is some cause for concern there. Now, when this is the quote, the money quote from last week, in my opinion, when Calvin Thibodeau called Perrion Winfrey the alpha dog of that group yeah. already. I think that should get a lot of people excited. And, and I, I, the one guy that was, you know, I've, I've been posting my previews for this week. Um, obviously, it was kind of waiting to make sure we had a, a season before we really got, I got into it. But I, I think that there's a big year ahead for Nick Benito. I, I think that guy was out of high school. And, Brady, you know this, that I was extremely high on him as an edge rusher. Mike Stoops switched him over inside at inside linebacker, and I about had an aneurysm about it. And, no, I, I think – you know, just kind of along the same lines of the offense. I, I think we are going to learn, is this going to be that four-two-five that they were running last year? Are they going to try to get as many DBs on the field this year with the Big 12 offenses getting better? Uh, or what are, what are they going to attempt to do? Um, I think we're going to learn that on Saturday. And I think it's for a lot of the same reasons that I said before, that they just don't have a lot of prep time. They don't have three games to get ready for Big 12 conference play. So we're, we're going to find out where these guys are going to be aligned at, what kind of uh, defense they are, base defense they are going to be running. Because at Washington State, Alex Grinch did run some variation of what West Virginia did. Um, God, what was that defensive coordinator's name that was there that ran the three? Tony Gibson? Yeah, Tony Gibson. He did run some variation of that at Washington State. So it's, that's not out of the picture. So I, I think we're going to – we're going to find out kind of where this base defense is going to be at. And I think that there, if Trey Norwood is healthy and if this is a guy that is back for Oklahoma this year that can be make some sort of impact, that Oklahoma, I wouldn't throw it out that they won't try to get as many DBs on the field as possible. Now, that is definitely a Mike Stoops direction there, but under a new defensive coordinator, who knows how much success that they can have with that. So I think we're going to learn a lot about what this base defense is going to look like. I think that in terms of alignment, and then I am a little more confident in this, what, how much pressure this defense can get. I think Nick Bedino could have a big year. And if any, they can find any sort of production from a Laurent Stokes, from a Corey Roberson, from a Marcus Stripling, a, a guy that is probably underweight for the position he's playing at 245, 250 pounds playing that D end. But if he can be as quick as he was a year ago, if he can take it, take some strides, then um, I, I think that, you know, the defensive line and the pressure that they are going to be able to put um, on the quarterback, I think it can be there, but we're, we're going to learn quick. I mean, they, the first, you know, three, four games of the year are going to be the toughest for Oklahoma. So they're, they're going to have to grow up quick, and they're going to have to grow up quick without a Ronnie Perkins, who's we, you know, probably saw his biggest impact of last year in the Peach Bowl, um, which is him being out and all the focus being on Neville Gallimore. Just I think that was the, the biggest detriment to Oklahoma's defense in that game than anything. Yeah, real quick, because I would assume the questions of suspension for like a 
Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson and um, oh, what's his, uh, Trajan Bridges? Trajan Bridges. Um, I would I would assume that that question kind of ranks low on the totem pole of all the questions you guys have had the lob at Lincoln Riley over the last few weeks. But um, in the most recent time you guys talked to him last week, did anybody ask about the suspensions or is it still just kind of an assumed thing at this point? I think it came up and I think the answer was still no clarity. Does that mean that like, does that mean it's still on appeal? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. He's they've appealed it. um, And I think they've appealed for a, a reduction, not necessarily a total removal, but, you know, they're trying to get some games back. Um, so, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll hear from the NCAA or they won't. That's where this thing stands. I will give – I will actually cut the NCAA some slack here because they obviously have had some other things to worry about mm-hmm. over the last few months than, like, suspensions for whatever these players ended up doing. Um, <laughs> um, at the same time – I would imagine they OU applied for or appealed this when it happened, right? And it's literally taken this long, and we still have no clarity. That's a little troublesome, but back, yeah, back burner. But I would say uh, to the loss of Jalen Redman, and to those that think that it's not that big of a deal, um, I mean, Jalen Redman's good. Um, you you remember like the going the the tagline every time you'd watch an OU game when Charles Tapper was on this defense, and every time you get a new broadcast crew who hadn't called an OU game previously, who the the color guy would always say, "Yeah, and he's Charles Tapper. He's a guy who's only been playing football now for like the last four years. Like he's so raw, and he's just going to get better and better and better." Charles Tapper was a really good football player. Don't get me wrong, but whatever people thought of Charles Tapper, that's what I think Jalen Redmond actually is. Like he is just, he is so talented and I completely understand him wanting to opt out. Like this is obviously he is somebody that has pre-existing conditions and I would hate for Jalen Redmond to be the statistic when this is all said and done. Football does not matter that much, but um, I, I would imagine because I would, I would imagine if he opts out this year, I mean, in theory, uh, are we expecting him to just come back the following season? Because I'm not expecting that's, him to go to the draft. That's what Kerry reported at Sooner Scoop was okay. that his idea was after the pandemic, he will return to Oklahoma. He doesn't have enough film yet for NFL scouts to yeah. say, hey, he's a first rounder. We know that we, we believe in this guy. No, he might go to the combine and test really well and, and they fall in love with him there. But as of right now, he does not have enough film for them to say he's our guy. So he needs another season of of college football. Yeah, and I want to say this, and I talked to uh, we talked about this on the last two podcasts. From Oklahoma's perspective, from what I understand, is that they don't they don't necessarily even see it as much as an opt out. Is that he is just going to rehab for a whole year? He hasn't practiced much at all during fall camp, doing due to an injury, and so I got a bad shoulder, I guess, is what yeah. so it's just a medical redshirt year, basically. Yeah. Right, another one for him, I guess. So, but Candy Brooks is opting out, which is right. still fascinating to me. Um, you know, uh, and then the fact that he may come back for next year, so it's uh, it is fascinating. Oh yeah, Candy Brooks. Oh well, uh, I don't know if y'all noticed, but Seth McGowan looks like he's he's ready to uh, destroy people on the football Lordy. field. My goodness, you know who he reminds me of? Just who? looking at him. Reminds me of uh, Alex uh, from Jenks. What was his name? Alex Ross. Ross, thank you. Yes. What, way to go, John. Way to just like curb my Seth McGowan hype. 
I think Seth McGowan's going to be a little quicker side to side than Alex Ross was. I would hope so. He could probably run in other directions than a straight line. The the straight line stuff, Alex Ross is going to probably win that race. <laughs> Yeah, that dude was a long, fast. A long line of uh, like it started with Trey Franks, then Alex Ross, just track guys, and now it's the torch has been passed to Trey Brown. Now, Mister Hoover, uh, your third and final bullet point of what we could potentially learn or not learn. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we got to couch this by saying it's Missouri State. Of course, FCS, FCS school one and ten last year that I don't think I'm not hundred percent sure, but I don't think they have a full complement of 64 scholars, 63 scholarships. Um, I think they're below that. Okay. So this is not going to be any kind of competitive game. However, I am eager to see, and we, we don't usually Keegan does a great job reviewing like film and, and checking out what guys are, are run, what routes they're running and where the quarterback's supposed to do. So I, I rely a little bit on Keegan for, for your input and expertise there. I appreciate that all the time. But I want to ask Lincoln Riley next week, not this week, but next week, how did Spencer Rattler do finding the right guy, throwing it to, to the right guy, throwing it not to the right team because everybody knows he's going to throw it to Oklahoma and there's going to be <laughs> 28 completions for 450 yards. We know that. I'm talking about throwing it. This guy's wide open and that guy's wide open and this guy's wide open down here and that guy's wide open over the middle. You know that's going to happen. They, they they get those guys wide open against Texas which put two guys into the NFL last year. They're going to put some guys in some space against Missouri State and they are going to be wide open. So what what I'm asking is does Spencer Rattler see it, process it and deliver the football to where it's supposed to go. In other words, you get like if this guy's if the deep guy's wide open and you hit him, you get like five points from your coach. If the deep guy's wide open and the tight end's wide open and you go to the tight end, you only get like two points from your coach when you should have thrown it deep and gotten the five points, right? That's what and I'm saying. And if you is, and if you check down, you're Landry Jones. If you check down, you get one point, you get a half a point. There you, <laughs> there you go. go. So yeah, so so I want to see if if Spencer Rattler throws it literally to the right guy on a consistent basis. He won't be perfect. Um, this is his first big game to start. So he won't be perfect, but I want to see if he's processed, like Lincoln told us on the zoom call last week, if he's processed the playbook, if he uh, understands this is big, this is important for, for, and I've heard Lincoln say this a couple of times, what we're trying to do on offense. He wants the quarterback to understand what the goal of the offense is every week. And I don't know that the goal changes every week, depending on who the defense is and how, how many all-stars they have. His goal is to deliver the football on time to this person on this route, regardless of the coverage. So I want to see what Spencer Rattler does in those situations. So what you're saying is, is just not do what Jalen Hurts did the last half of My last year. My goodness. Yes. Don't lock into one guy. <laughs> don't throw it to the same guy over and over and over again. You threw a softball I mean, CD, for me there. CD Lamb's a pretty good option, but there were other guys open last year. There's no doubt. Hell, there he missed CD Lamb like a handful of times, like especially that TCU game where CD's just like, uh, I, I'm just jogging right now. I'm doing cardio. This isn't this isn't going to turn into another Keegan Renault, Jalen Hurts take here. But <laughs> I hope not. But no, yeah, a, a lot to what who said. Yeah, I, I think that there is. A lot of truth to Oklahoma's offense, especially in 2017 and 18, whenever you're talking about the timing, the, the timing that 
Kyler and Baker were always seeming to get rid of the football at the right time, whether that was a guy making it before the guy makes a cut into the double move, whether that's a guy breaking to the sideline on an out route, whatever it could be, the timing was always good. And I think that that was the biggest disappointment watching Jalen last year, especially from the Kansas State game on. It just, it, I think he lacked decisiveness. I think he lacked confidence in the, into making those decisions and to making those throws. I, I don't think this is going to be a kid that's going to lack that confidence at all. From of all accounts, from QB1, watching that Netflix series, to hearing Brayden Willis talk about him last week, although I wasn't on that press conference. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is going to be a, a different kind of style. I, I truly do. I, I think with the personnel that they, they have, with all the H-backs that they have, that, I, that for me is going to be fascinating this year. Yeah, I mean, you always want your quarterback to be an extension of his play caller. And I think we, like you said, Keegan, that was the, the case with Baker. That was the case with Kyler. Um, it was really never the case with Jalen. I think that's where you see all the struggles. And I think, John, that's what you were, um, when you were quoting Lincoln, um, what we're trying to do on offense, like that's exactly what I think that, that concept is. It's just Spencer understanding what Lincoln is not just, this is what he's telling me to do. This is the play. Well, you need to, you know, forgive the, pardon my French, you need to eat, eat shit and breathe and sleep this, this offense. And I think Spencer even, and this is silly, but I think even in the limited amount of times that we saw him last year, and I think he only had 11 pass attempts last year and three game appearances, um, there were little nerves, there was confidence, and he delivered the ball in the spot where it needed to be. And yes, it's going to be against better competition. It's going to be against competition that's gearing to stop you if you're now the starting quarterback at OU. But I think, I think the foundation is there for what Keegan has been calling for in the last six, seven episodes of like, please not Jalen hurts again, please, please be more akin to the 2017, 2018 offense, please God. Who sat right next to me at the peach bowl. One, I was drink drinking water like a horse Two, I wonder why. Uh, yeah. Two, I was losing it. I, I mean, it was just there. It was like, Jane Hazelwood's open. Jane Hazelwood's open. Throw it to him. He's open. And then two seconds later, still doesn't get rid of the football and then launches it on, launches it into the sideline. So it's, it's just that. It, it, I think that, and I, I've said this to people uh, whenever I was doing interviews for the Caleb Williams feature profile I wrote um, in the summertime, and I was talking to even their head coaches about it, is that there's just something about this offense and it's ruined my entire perspective of watching football because it's like you've seen it run it seen it run so well for two years and it's honestly been cracking me up and this is an, and this is my last I guess hit on the Jalen Hurts era <laughs> is that you've seen these yards no, per a, yards no it's not <laughs> you've seen these yards per play average like Jalen Hurts was you know second in 2019 Baker number one Kyler number one it's like yeah, well, C.D. Lamb was taking five-yard hitch routes to the house. Like, that's going to completely skew those numbers. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I, I th- I've said this before that we're going to be embracing shootouts this year. I, it's, one of my predict- it's one of my bold predictions for this year that Oklahoma's going to win three shootouts. I, I think that's really what it is. And I don't think that's an indictment on the defenses either. And I know I've said that before. I think these offenses in the Big 12 are going to be – really really good this year from texas to iowa state to oklahoma state to oklahoma so 
Yeah, and in week one, and I've said this before, and I think this is a good question for all you guys. How long does Spencer play Saturday? Three quarters? I think he needs to play a little bit longer than your prototypical OU versus FCS school yeah. here in a regular season because he needs the reps. Um, they're going to have an off week, so it's just going to be an inconsistent. It's just going to be an inconsistent schedule of the last few months. We don't know if we're going to play. Okay, we're going to play, but we're going to play it at a later day, and then we're going to have a. a a bye week afterwards, and then you're going straight into Kansas State. So I think we're going to see, and I would want to see a healthy dose of Spencer Rattler. And of course, if the offensive line is protecting him, then why the hell not? Three quarters. He's got an open open date after the opener. And then, like Brady said, he goes straight into Kansas State, straight into Big 12 play. For him to be at his best for Kansas State, I mean, they're gonna they might hang 70 on Missouri State because their starting quarterback still in the game to start the fourth quarter. Absolutely, I'm with you. Bless I, I, their think, hearts. I think I think oh, you may put up like 80 on Saturday. Like, I'm I'm not kidding you. I thought I have make been I have been a part of that game. Dollars. Yeah, make, make I've been a part of a game like that. It. It's it's Dude. wild. We on the on which end? On the winning end. On winning oh, okay. end. It was my and I'm not and I wasn't a huge part of it. I just want the one to say that. I know I've brought up now high school twice. There you go. But we I've I've been a part of an 88 nothing football game. Against, oh my. against Crescent. It was a rivalry game. <laughs> and it was wild. Did uh, Bino Cook like come on and say that you guys were disgracing the game because you kept scoring? No, but Crescent <laughs> parents from, have remembered it for a long time. Well, if I, any of them we, listen uh, to this, they will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> my, my, first, my first varsity appearance, guys, sophomore year, uh, we, uh, I was wearing number 46. I was wearing the travel jersey throwaway. Nobody, nobody else has this number because it's so crappy, 46. <laughs> and uh, we we were playing at Durant and we were wiping the floor with them. It was fifty to six or something. Final score was like fifty to fourteen. I got in. I got one play at the end of the game. I lined up five yards off sides. Five yards <laughs> offsides. <laughs> and the coach was like screaming at me. He's like, "Get out of there!" And I was like, "No, let me stay on and get one official play." And he let me stay on. Oh, I was so excited, man! I had no idea what was going on in my life. <laughs> System overload. How much football you watched last weekend? I was gonna, I was gonna comment on that. Not much. Oh. I, watched the, uh, I watched the UCA game, Austin P. That was fun. Um, I gotta say, <laughs> you you mentioned earlier, you know Baker and Kyler ruining it for you. I'll take you back, Brady. You remember this? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight in the Big Twelve Conference. The quarterback play and the receiver play was so oh, yeah. damn good. Every game. Every week, Todd Reesing. I mean, are you kidding me? Kansas had a unbelievable player at quarterback, and they were they were kicking people in the teeth. Missouri, everybody. Chase had Daniel, a great yeah, uh, so Zach, it was amazing. Uh, Zach Robinson, yeah. Uh, I think Reggie McNeil was no. Who it wasn't Reggie McNeil. Who? No, no, no. He was o two o three. Gerard. Josh Freeman wasn't he at Kansas State at the time, or was that? Yeah, was Tannehill. He, Tannehill was at was Texas it Ain't it, then, ain't him. He? Yeah. Tannehill was a receiver in 2008 when OU went up there to College Station and won like 66 to 24 or whatever. Um, Tannehill was Stephen a receiver. McGee. No, he McGee he was, was the Aggies quarterback, wasn't he? He was gone. He, I think he was a senior okay. in 06. They had an African Ameri- okay. They had an African American quarterback, which is why I said Reggie McNeil at first. And I was like, no, it wasn't Reggie McNeil. It was. I think. Oh, yeah. I think is it Gerard Johnson? Is that a name? Yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, I can't remember yeah. what I was. The point I was trying to make was. 
you go to uh, you go to an OU game to cover the game, right? And you go to get up and have breakfast, and you're at the hotel, and you flip on the TV because college game day's on, and college game day gets finished, and they start their coverage, and it's a Indiana versus Northwestern, or it's a you know ACC game, uh, Georgia Tech versus uh, you know Maryland back then or something, and you're like, what is this crap? You know, the the level of quarterback play and offensive efficiency in the Big 12 at that time was so high, you couldn't watch other conferences. You'd go home and watch Pac-12 at night, and it would be like Tavita Pritchard from Stanford going up against, uh, you know, some, some, you know, second stringer from Washington State. And you're like, this isn't even football. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with, you know, the last few years of Oklahoma football has really kind of ruined it for me. When SMU. I watch football on TV, it's like, come on, guys, you got to throw the football better. You got to throw it on time. You got to put at least throw a spiral when you're throwing it. Yeah, I was I was telling Keegan during the intro, John. Uh, SMU Tech State was actually kind of fun, and I learned I learned the second that he trotted on the field, I was like, oh, I had no idea Shane Bouchelle was still in college. <laughs> how is he not in the NFL already? Right? How That's is what he you were thinking? Yeah, like, is he a BYU quarterback or something? He's 30 years old. Get him out of there. Pick on someone your own size. Goodness yeah. gracious. Well, they picked was, on him. That was a fun game. They yeah, did. That's, that's true. Um, well, Keegan, do you want to, like, roll through your three real quick? Yeah. Or, or any of them that aren't John's? No, I, yeah, and I, I thought I, I kind of touched on them. I just think okay. what we're going to see, the offense, just the identity for 2020, I think we're going to learn that in week one. That's going to be one of the things that I'm really paying attention to. Uh, the, what kind of base defense Oklahoma's in this year, if they try to run what they did last year, even without Ronnie Perkins for the first five games, without Jalen Redmond now, um, a defensive tackle, I, I, think, I truly think that they could get – this is I, I the David Aguebu move inside still is puzzling to me. I get it from a depth perspective, but he was so good on the edge last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I think that we're going to see a, some sort of package with both him and Benito on the field uh, at some point in 2020. Um. So, but I want to see what the base defense is like. I, I want to see what the identity of the offense is like. I, I think we will learn both of those things, and then three leadership. How clean do these guys come out on Saturday? Because obviously they've had a tumultuous offseason. Everybody has from a COVID perspective, from the racial injustice perspective. And it seems like Creed Humphrey has really rallied the troops this offseason. I want to see how clean they come out. You don't want to see a ton of holding penalties, not against Missouri State. You don't want to see a bunch of false starts. You don't want to see offsides. You don't want to see Trey Brown getting defensive pass interferences or anything like that. So um, it's a... you know, I, I think I, I want to see how clean they are. I want to see, you know, how motivated they are. And then, like I said, the base, kind of the identity of the offense and the identity of the defense. I think we'll learn, you know, those three things on Saturday. Leadership's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, because even against an opponent like Missouri State, you don't want to see a bunch of careless, stupid penalties because it's like it's inconsequential to the result of the game. But, like, I don't want to be cliche like, old school fan but you know there is an element of win with class um you're gonna you're gonna hand them like a 60 point 70 point defeat you know don't be don't be a dick about it basically um so that's actually a good point you got to think about that at all you're not not gonna swing on 3-0 up seven (laughs) oh goodness don't you don't you step on my pitcher's mound how dare you other silly unwritten rules um I'll ask you guys this because, uh, John, this wasn't a part of your three. Uh, Keegan, this was not a part of your three. 
the thing that we need to learn from this week is Lincoln Riley discussing how he's going to lock Gabe Burkich in a dungeon where he cannot catch this virus because I want to paint you a scenario because you could probably say, well, the quarterback is the one position you can't afford to have somebody miss a game due to COVID-19. Okay. That's probably true. Imagine OU Texas. OU is down a point with a minute left. They drive the field. They get in field goal range for the last play of the game. And then some walk on kicker trots out there because Gabe Burkich is in quarantine and misses a chip shot field goal. Steven Johnson. I don't know who this person is. I just Zach just, Schmidt. And uh I um I am so worried about like I thought about that scenario for like the last few weeks of like, oh my God, that's please don't let that happen. What if it's okay. deep snapper? Like Arkansas, what was it? Austin that, Oh yeah. Yes, yes. That might be more problematic than the kicker. Um Casey Kelleher's done a amazing job and earned a scholarship but uh, Gabe Burkich is not going to be needed against Missouri State or the following week against open date however he will be needed against Kansas State probably at some point um, so I say you give him a pass you give him literally a hall pass this weekend to go out and do what he's going to do catch the virus run it through a system come back in two weeks and he's healthy and he doesn't have it the rest of the season that's how you prevent this thing I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit there but Yes. Not really. All, all right, right, all right, Mike. Not, not entirely. <laughs> all right, Mike. As John says that with his OAN t-shirt on. <laughs> that's right. That's mocking right. us. We got we to get some uh, antibodies in here. These guys need some antibodies. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like I, ideally I would prefer none, n- no player across zeros. the country. We need zeros. Catches this virus. Um, we all understand the statistics of, of this virus by this point. So we don't really need to go into that. But let us, I guess, have a little bit of fun. Because, like we've already set up over the last few weeks, if you don't know, this is a topsy-turvy time to be doing a podcast about a football team in college because we don't even know what's going to happen. But, uh, John, any other final thoughts? Uh, anything that we need to touch on before you get out of here? Anything uh, you're looking forward to putting out this week for us for our reading pleasure? I got a cool story coming on um, OU and – I'll just put it this way. OU and five-star quarterbacks tomorrow. Oh, you know, and yeah. speak, speaking of like, cool. you went to big red. <laughs> <laughs> this is a nice car dealership I, I hear. Let's just say I punched in there. Nice. You, oh, that's, that's good. No, speaking of little quips from your stories, John, I, I put this out on Twitter. Did it just go way over my head over the, like for the last, what, 14 years. I had no idea Adrian Peterson rebroke his collarbone in the Fiesta Bowl against Boise state. I, if that yeah. was reported, I just, had either heard it and forgotten it or had never heard it before. I think you might've heard it and forgotten it. Um, because uh, as I recall, he talked about it at the combine. They, they went and did some tests on him at the combine and they said, dude, your hit, your collarbone is not healed. And he's like, no, no, I broke it in the, in the bowl game. So that's, uh, that's what I remember of it. I, and he went ahead. I don't think he broke it late. I think he broke it early. I mean, he's, it certainly feel, feels that way, and especially if you go back and watch that game. Um, he, of course, I mean, he's, he's AD. He gets better as the game goes along, but he's, he certainly got better as the game went along, and I, um, because of what I know about his collarbone and what you would probably do on the sideline with somebody who is in a lot of pain, yeah, it's going to take a minute 
it's going to take a few quarters for that to fully take effect. So that kind of makes sense. But yeah. that was that was cool. I'm so glad you voted him or Adrian Peterson number one uh, well, all-time Big 12 player because I was afraid you'd do Vince Young because people do Vince Young oh, yeah. because of his one season. Yeah. Well, he got number two. And it was me and all the other publishers in the uh, Sports Illustrated network that cover college, that covered the Big 12. So people were calling me out saying I'm an idiot. And uh, what I found interesting was that Sooner fans, who is our readership, that's who we serve, they were telling me throughout the, uh, throughout the process that there was no freaking way that nobody was ever better than Jason White or Sam Bradford or Roy Williams or Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or Adrian Peterson. So what I should have done was just say, Sooner fans, I need the top six players in Big 12 conference history over the last 25 years and let them tell me who the top six Sooners were because that's who it was. And it was pretty funny. Um, you throw out names like Ricky Williams and, and Dominican Sue and Vince Young. And they're like, Oh yeah, no, I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. You forgot about him. Okay, cool. Like I, it was either going to, for me, it's either it's Sue or Adrian Peterson just because of the career and, and the talent Vince Young had one great 2004. He was good. Texas was really good and talented around him. 2005 is what people think of when they think of Vince Young and the national title against Rose Bowl. And it skews his rec. It skews his career in that it was, it wasn't that the entire time. Adrian Peterson, you pointed out in your story and OU fans will remember he was hurt more than almost half the time he was here, but he's still so much up so many records, so much, so many numbers, and the talent just kind of speaks for itself. So, bravo to you. Two and a half seasons. Thank you. Two and a half seasons he played the equivalent of at Oklahoma and still rushed for 4,000 yards. And, um, and then you project, you know, what we did was we said to – we counted down just to background this, the top 25 players in Big 12 history, and we actually got 27 because there was a three-way tie for 25th. Uh, but it was fun. Um, and Peterson, when you project what they did in the NFL, it's not even close. He's oh, yeah. literally yeah. The, the greatest player in Big 12 history. And you could say Darren Sproles, who had a fantastic career. Uh, you could say Roy Williams, for sure, pro-wise, NFL-wise. Uh, Grant Wistrom. Vaughn Miller's had a hell of an NFL career. Was Zach Thomas in the uh, Big 12, or was he, big, or was he Southwest he was Conference? He was okay. not. That win, that win played one year in the Southwest Conference, came after Zach. And then, uh, play, or you know, they, one was at Tech, one was at A&M. Yeah. But in terms of lineage of linebackers, um, that, that was that, you know, Zach played all his years in the Southwest Conference, and then Dad came in, played one year Southwest, and then all, all the rest. But what's interesting is there's seven Big 12 players, former players, who are in the College Football Hall of Fame, and only one of them at this point, only one, Played his entire career in the Big 12 Conference. Didn't play in the Big 8. Didn't play in the Southwest Conference. It's easy. We've already talked about him. Oh. College Football Hall of Fame. Oh, now I feel like an idiot. Oh, is it, Vin is it Vince? It's Vince. Yeah, it's Vince Young. Oh, okay. I guess there's been enough time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. I don't know if this is, a, this is already a hot take, but... I think C.D. Lamb may skyrocket up that list when it's all said and done. Oh, C.D. Lamb. No, C.D. Well, Lamb. He was, number, he was tied for number 18 on our list, and he's, he hasn't was. even played it down in the pros yet. Yeah. yeah so. No, C.D. Lamb, like, I think I might have told you last year, John, when you were um, when you were co-hosting co this podcast with me, C.D. Lamb's the best receiver in OU history, and I still feel that way to this day. Like, And I feel like, like what Keegan just kind of alluded to, with his career at the Cowboys, if he's healthy, God willing, like, it's going to – 
Mm-hmm. Yes. I love me some Mark Clayton. I love Sterling Shepard, all those guys, but CD was just a different animal at, at wide receiver. The fact that the Dallas, the Dallas, the cow, wow, I about really screwed that up. The Dallas, we're almost, Cowboys, we're almost done, Keegan. Don't the worry. Dallas Cowboys writers for the, what their own website ranked CD Lamb number one is fascinating. Well, hell, out of camp. Dallas writers are very, very knowledgeable about CD Lamb. So I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. huh. they've, they've seen him. They've seen him running through the cotton bowl untouched. <laughs> Who, what, what, what do you got for the season for Oklahoma in terms of pre- pre- predicting them? Oh yeah. We'll hold, we'll hold you accountable, man. I'm telling you, they keep getting these, these starting frontline players that opt out. It's going to be hard to, uh, it's going to be hard to repeat. It's going to be hard to win that sixth in a row. I, I got I, way back in, March slash April when we were trying to decide if we were going to publish a magazine at Lindy's and several other magazines, they're keeping an eye, kind of, kind of keeping an ear on the ground to see what other magazines are doing. When we, when there were discussions about, should we publish, should we not publish? Um, somebody asked me, my editor asked me, who are we going to pick in the big 12 this year? And I said, I mean, Oklahoma's won five in a row. How are we going to pick against them? Uh, that still kind of stands. I will say this. I asked him about Oklahoma State, and he said Oklahoma State has the tools this year to, to upset that apple cart. Then what do they do? They go and lose three starting offensive linemen in the, in the training camp, and it's like, all right, good luck, Cowboys. Good luck. And you know it's going to be – everybody's going to pick Texas. I'm sorry, I don't see well, it. I need proof that Texas is going to win the Big 12 before I pick Texas to win the Big 12. Well, uh, last thing before I get you guys out of here, because I think it's as simple as this. Do you what do you have more confidence in? OU losing two conference games in season or OU being beaten twice by the same team? Because if you're going to win the Big 12, you essentially have to go through OU probably twice. So you think OU's going to just miss out the Big 12 championship on their own merit, or do you feel like that they would lose it straight up on the field in a Big 12 championship scenario? Because if they get to the Big 12 championship, I, I just I would have more confidence in OU just losing two games in conf- during the regular season because of all the weirdness, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and this is a weird season. So, listen, if OU loses uh, the Big 12, doesn't win the Big 12 this year, we're going to have to put an asterisk by it, you know, because there's going to be games canceled. There's going to be um, 20 players, 30 players, 15 starters, something like that. There's going to be guys that miss games. There's going to be quarterbacks that have to sit out for two weeks. We're going to have to put an asterisk by this whole season. So, this will be the one that, you know, five in a row and then, shoot, who knows, five more in a row after this one. You know what I mean? Um, that would not surprise me. But Oklahoma's got enough talent and depth, as we talked about with the offensive line across the board. Receivers, I mean, unproven receivers, but three five-stars is waiting in the wings. I mean, uh, if you include Marvin Mims, I guess that would be four, you know. Um, they've got enough players that, that they're going to be a handful for whoever – comes out and wins the Big 12, they're going to have to beat OU, like you said, in that championship game. I do have a prediction. Oh, let's do it. Let's end on this one. I predict that Chip Brown in 2021 (laughs) will predict that Texas will win the Big 12. Well, I mean, Sam Ellinger will probably be there because his ass is not going to the NFL Uh, draft. He's taking that extra year, isn't he? Of course he is. Hell yeah. (laughs) What? I'm coming back. Who thought you were leaving? <laughs> nobody. Nobody thought yeah, that. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Like, let's, let's, like, let's, no, let's he's ridiculous. gone into each of the last two off seasons saying, we're back, I'm back. 
Yeah, two uh, here are two two Landry Jones slams in the same episode. Landry Jones had more of a pull on going to the NFL draft than Sam Ellinger ever will. So that's true. You're not wrong there. Yeah, um, well, I try not to be. But uh, John, thank you so much for jumping on your old podcast, and uh, it's good to hear from you. Good to talk uh, OU football with you once again. Feels like the old days, and. Uh, hopefully it gets me more into a football mode, even though basketball is on during the daytime still. Um, it's a weird time, but um, this helped g- at least get me into a little bit more football mode. So thank you, sir. Guys, all the stuff we've been through, as I said, that, that March seemed like four years ago, all the stuff that we've been through, and not just us, but everybody, we made it. Football is here. Game week is here. It is football time in Oklahoma. Can't wait. Thanks for having me on, Brady. Appreciate it. Keegan, see you, buddy. Hoove, always a good time. Yes. I'll see you over Zoom. Yes, sir. Yes, everybody go. You already follow John on Twitter. You already follow everything he does, but uh, SI Sooners uh, does a great job. But Keegan Renault also does a great job as well. Um, Everybody, thank you so, so much for uh, listening to the Inside OU podcast. Go check out John Hoover's podcast because you have nothing but time to get ready for Missouri State, and we'll keep you all covered nice and warm like a blanket. But until next time, until, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday, um, Keegan and I get back together. We will talk to you later.